Sonic Right, okay, well, hello and welcome, everybody, uh, to Sonic Talk number 122. Uh, we're going to be going live on, oh, let me see, was it Thursday the 19th of March? Today we're recording live, uh, where people are joining us in the chat room. We've got a nice full room, uh, which is great to see. So if anybody ever wants to join us in the future, just head to sonicstate.com forward slash live. Uh, at about 4pm UK time on a Wednesday, and you'll see us here and you can join in. So, um, well, uh, hello and welcome. And uh, just like to say, this this podcast is sponsored by Roland uh, UK, who are very kindly continuing their sponsorship in these hard times. It's very much appreciated. So let's move on to my guests uh, who I've got in, in the house, as it were. Uh, let's start with um, oh, Dave Robinson, ProSoundNewsEurope.com, the editor, the big cheese. Hi there. Hello, how are you? I'm good. We're just about to finish the uh, Frankfurt issue. We've got another one more day to go, and um, I've been uh, I've been party to a few things that are being launched next week. There are going to be a few, so not next week on April the first. Yeah, are you sure they're not jokes? No. <laughs> there's a couple of things that look a bit suspect, certainly. But <laughs> um, uh, no, there's. Uh, in fact, there is one company that always puts out a uh, an April Fool press release. Um, every year, Electrosonics. Um, if you go to their website on April the first, they'll have the latest uh, the latest product. Last year, they had a wireless wireless transmitter, so you didn't even have to plug it in. A wireless, and, wireless. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> excellent. And several, uh, several actually, uh, several websites in this uh, in pro audio industry still put it up on their new site as if it was actually a real product. Oh, good. I'm sure I will. <laughs> yeah, we have no quality control here, as I'm sure you're aware. Apart from in the podcast, of course. Oh yeah. Well, anyway, Dave, um, you can check out Dave's uh, brilliant publication at prosoundnewseurope.com, uh, where I'll be covering all the mess of stuff, obviously. Uh, and so will we, but uh, that's probably save that for another issue. Um, I'd just like to say hello to John Bowen, who's in the chat room again today. Hello, John. And um, which will sidely... Well, let, let, who should we go next to? Let Mark Tinley. Let's have you. How are you, Mark? Mark Tinley um, is with us. I'm very well, actually. Jolly good. It's my birthday today. Oh, Mark! Hey! Happy birthday! If only I had something jinglish to play, but I, I'm afraid I don't, and I'm not going to attempt to sing it. the mode. <laughs> yeah, no. I know. You can have a quick um, one of these. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> it's not very Excellent. it's not very birthday like but you know it's a nice word well mark um congratulations i uh, uh, dare i ask how old or doesn't it really matter these days i'm 46 oh goodness me don't seem like a day over um less yeah. than that that's don't what that like... young uh, the young girl in the pub just said to me really she said, oh you don't look very old or have you just that's been telling everybody, it's my birthday today and I'm 46. <laughs> and I have a free pint. Yeah. It's always worth a try, isn't it? <laughs> I'd love to buy you a pint. I'd, be, I'd happily buy you a pint. If I could pour it down the phone, I would do it now. <laughs> oh, it's a <laughs> Excellent. Well, Dave, you work in uh, corporate. You've probably got some kind of hospitality table next to you full of crackers and delicious snacks. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, I've got a coffee pot and, um, uh, yeah, and I've got a selection of tea bags. I've got a raspberry and uh, raspberry and ginseng if I want. Luxury. You, you, can, you can order biscuits, but uh, that would be a little bit decadent for a Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, they're cutting down. They're cutting back. The biscuits The biscuits are being cut back. Yeah. Cut backs. <laughs> Rich tea cut backs. Um, I think we got the podcast title there. Anyway, um, well, Mark, thank you for joining us. And you can be found at aspergineering.com. All right? I can. You yes. can. Well, your, your blog posts are legion and you're on all sorts of interesting subjects. So anyway. Thank you for joining us. Uh, let's move on to Rich Hilton from Connecticut. Good day. It's good to have you here. Hope we're not eating into your work day too much. Absolutely not. Quite always happy to be here. Make make a little time. I've already been thinking about how uh, how and when I'll be able to do it during the Japan trip because oh, I'm going gosh, to Japan yeah. in April. Yeah, I will be. I think I will be able to do one. I'll have to miss one, but we'll be able to do one from there. Oh, that'd be great. Live from Japan, our Japanese correspondent. I can't wait for that. Of course, um, Rich Hilton is uh, a member of, fully paid up member of Chic and is going to Japan for a week's residence at the Tokyo, what's it called? Blue? Is it the Blue Note? Jazz Cafe. It is the Blue Note. They'll probably have a free wireless network in Japan, won't they? You can just hop onto a wireless network and um, 
not always in the hotels. Not sure about the. I, I'm not optimistic about the hotel wireless being free. I could do that wanderlust thing if I wanted. But it's an expensive it, city. It's much harder to do the podcasts from the street in front of the deli. <laughs> oh, you mean war driving? Yeah, yeah. You know, trolling for a signal. Yeah, that's called war driving. You're the guy who oh, taught me good. how to do this. Rich Hilton can be found myspace.com forward slash Hiltonius, where you can see what he's been up to, including his uh, Caribbean studio building trip, I believe. You've got some photos up there as well? Yep. Okay, well, uh, and also Dave Spears from g4software.com, who sent me a wonderful picture of your new room, which has all been laid out differently, and you've got a new floor and everything. I know the floor's the same, it's just visible now. Oh, I see. Because it was just covered with stuff. Oh, I didn't realise. I was thinking, wow, that was a big job. You had to take everything out to lay that floor, but it was there all the time, <laughs> under there yeah, somewhere. It was just carefully <laughs> hidden, yeah. Somebody once said to me, floor is overrated anyway, so just fill it up with stuff. Yeah. Well, at least it wasn't. Uh, but yeah, I'm happy. Great. So you got everything plumbed in, working? No, not quite. We fried a Transformer last night, which was quite entertaining. Oh, dear. Um, well, on the, so, yeah, uh, on the Chamberlain? Uh, yeah, it's effectively four washing machine motors, and we were trying to do it through a sort of 300-watt transformer, which was kind of crap, really. It didn't work. Oh, no. no it just, well, it did for a bit. Did it sound nice? Out, it did sound very, very nice, yes, for a bit. <laughs> yeah, and then it broke down. <laughs> Yes. A late entry from PJ Tracy, uh, P- the Emmy-winning T- PJ Tracy, of course. Uh, how are you doing, PJ? Ah, doing fantastic. It's been busy around here this week, which I'm uh, very, very grateful for. Yeah, well, I think you and you and me and everybody, both, all, even, <laughs> it's always a good time to be busy. Yes, Get it, it is. while you can. PJTracyMusic.com for all your PJ Tracy needs. So, um, what should we do? Should we just jump straight in? I guess we may as well, yeah. haven't we? So the first topic, and then this is a real sad one because uh, I'm sure we've all got something to say about this, or at least I hope so, because um, I can't find my tumbleweed sample at the moment, so I've got nothing to play, uh, <laughs> is uh, Manny's in New York to close. It's been open since 1935, and it's closing at the end of May in 2009. That's 74 years. That's just astonishing. It's been, it's been in the same family, to, or it was in the same family till 1999 when they sold to Sam Ash that was across the street. Um, but the, the, the wider picture is the whole of, um, kind of Music Row is, 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 gonna be, is under threat because that's the one part of the street that hasn't been built in high-rise land. And uh, apparently uh, Ian Goldrick, uh, Manny's grandson, who uh, owns the building, the, the, the family still own the building, not the business, it says he gets at least one call a day from someone who wants to buy the building. Wow. Which is kind of, yeah, kind of uh, makes you realise how much demand there is for real estate around that part of town. But everybody's kind of lamenting it, not only because Manny's is Manny's, but it's kind of the demise of Old Times Square. It's kind of the lo- one of the last vestiges of Old Times Square. And I think, if I remember correctly, last time I was there, which is in October, I think the Howard Johnson that it was in Times Square is also gone, which was, um, you know, that was a great little throwback to the 50s as well. So Manny's, anyone uh, got any Manny's stories? I remember um, I went to Manny's probably in about 92, 93, uh, and I went upstairs to the computer division, which was still in its infancy when they were sell- selling sort of Sound Tools 2 and all of that stuff. And I bought myself my first ever software plugins, which was Waves Q10 and L1 for doing a multimedia project because uh, I had to get the maximum volume and stuff down to, um, you know, for my 11K 8-bit samples. And that's and I, but I every time I've been to New York, um, I've always tried to go along and, and have a look in Manny's. It's a wonderful place. All those pictures of those kind of musicians, you know, Charlie Parker, right back to you know, right anybody you care to mention, they've all they all go there and they all kind of get treated equally. Real shame. Um, who wants to go first? When was the last the la- I can't think of the last time I went to Manny's. It's probably in probably in the nineties actually. Rich, you're in the area. How does what does that mean to you? Is it is it you've got any fond memories? You must have. Well, I sure do, but I've been to Manny's many times. Uh, not not lately, but um, I have been there many times. Manny's kind of became really famous in the 60s when people like the Beatles and Hendrix stopped by. Um, and then, and, and the whole Music Row thing uh, has a nice kind of vibe to it. And as far as the real estate goes, and this is my layman's understanding, in New York, you purchase uh, street real estate and air rights separately. 
So, for example, it's possible to own the ground floor but not the air rights above the building. Oh, okay, like airspace. <laughs> there, there's actually real estate in the sky in New York. Oh man! So if you want to, if you want to fly a kite or something, you can't. Well, more to the point, if you want to put up a 54-story residence and you can't buy the ground floor, you could conceivably buy the airspace and do it anyway, apparently, or something like that. There, there, uh, as I say, it's a very much of a layman's understanding, but I do know that there is such a thing as air rights and that they're not always included with the real estate that's sold on the ground. Oh, man. Which means that there is some mad, kind of it? real estate up in the sky <laughs> in New York City. Wow. But so, uh, as, it relates, as it relates to Manny's, to me, this is a bit of an anticlimax because when they sold to Sam Ash... And when we buy guitars across the streets, all the same. And when it, basically Sam Ash owns the block anyway, and they owned Manny's for the last, I don't know how many years. And so what this really is, is Sam Ash closing a satellite store that's next door to three other satellite stores that are staying open. I mean, if I may kind of suck the romance right out of it. <laughs> you did that, didn't you? <laughs> So to me, this was all decided, I'm looking at decider, so I use the word decided. It was all decided years ago when uh, Manny sold to Sam Ash and it became part of Sam Ash. And across the street, you have the guitar store. Next door is the keyboard store. And somewhere down the street is the PAs. And, and, and Manny, uh, you know, Ash owns the block right now. Now, how yeah. they'll continue to own the block, I don't So there's my extremely unromantic take on the whole. Uh, Dave um, Spears. I know that um, you you sort of pointed me at this topic, and you also um, pointed me at a post that uh, Carl from Underworld wrote um, Underworld wrote um, on the on his blog, just sort of lamenting the demise of it because he buys guitars or bought guitars from there. It was like a a pilgrimage, wasn't it? You make it whenever you get to go to America. You had to go to Manny's and buy a guitar if you were a guitar kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it was almost like a rite of passage, wasn't it? It was like. I mean, like I said before, I lost count of the number of times where, you know, you'd be in a session and somebody turned up with a really cool old vintage guitar and you go, nice guitar, which I did explain was an oxymoron at the time. Um, and they say, yeah, I got it from Manis. So, yeah, you know, I thought it was uh, sad, really, because the staff were always very, very good. I mean, I haven't been there since about 91, but the staff were always completely on the ball, um, knew their stuff. I think you had to kind of be a bit of a special person to work in there for a while. So, oh, yeah, 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 I would think so. I mean, because I, I remember there must have been just so many people in there who just went in, probably weren't ever going to buy anything. And I know they had a buzz, you know, that in later years they buzz, you'd have to buzz to get in and, you know, so they limit the numbers of people that would be in the store at any one time and what have you. But I, mean, I guess you just have to if you've got limited staff. But it was, yeah, it was it was kind of special. Like you said, on the tourist trail. Yeah, pretty much so. Uh, Dave Robinson. I, I'd never heard of it, actually. <laughs> I'd never heard of it until oh. until this last week. <laughs> really? Um, Amazing. Yeah, seriously. I mean, but, but, but I guess, I mean, that aside, I mean, I've been reading about it, and I understand what an institution it was and what a shame it is. Um, but I guess it's, um, we, we've kind of been through it, haven't we? We've, we've seen Turnkey go and, you know, the... the yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not sure whether, mm-hmm. what the Soho Soundhouse is anymore, but um, we've had our spell of this a couple of years ago, and and, uh, and then obviously the sound control group all sort of uh, hitting the um, hitting the brakes last year, and it's uh, well, it's it's yet another symptomatic of of, uh, of what's happening with uh, with with retail and the, it does it does seem to be a wide rest of it. yeah it does seem to be that doesn't it there's a, there's this kind but of all, feeling that you but can't also, i imagine there's a certain amount of that but also in new york there's going to be enormous pressures for them to redevelop um redevelop the studio into uh, into something into office blocks yeah and that well, it's only you, kind of, you i think at, it was only uh, two or three floors wasn't it and you can go kind of real high <laughs> Do you know what I heard? Uh, what I heard today is uh, that I don't know whether you discussed Olympic. I'm sure. Did, I think we discussed Olympic anyway. But um, you know, Olympic in Barnes, which uh, nobody knows what's going to happen to it yet. But I heard that EMI wants something like five million for it, and uh, nobody's prepared to pay that much. But y- you've got a, a studio in a, in a piece of uh, London that's just ripe for, for developing into flats and flats that they could, or you know, apartments that they could sell for a lot of money. Yeah. And why would you put back into a into a loss making studio? And the same the, the same goes for, uh, for for things like this. I guess it's just 
you know, it's the beginning of of, of the end of. But we've we've seen studios in London turned flats before, and now we're seeing music shops, and uh, it's just a it's just a shame. And but it's just so very tempting, isn't it? When you know, I, I need to buy uh, I need to buy myself some some kit at the moment. And I could go to uh, Eric Lindsay in, in Catford, or I could look online and have it delivered to the office. And, and, you know, something says to me, I should go to the shop and I should buy it from the shop, even if I'm paying more, because I'm, I'm keeping a music shop running rather than a warehouse dishing out bits of music kit. Yeah, there is that, I suppose. You know? but, but ultimately, we all want a decent price as well and, well, and, I know. and of course sonic state sells sell stuff through, through you know you have deals with with uh, retailers on online and, and you know and that's progress but at the same time it's it's a shame that we we have to lose things like this the other thing i would say actually looking at the decider website is the only picture that he come up with was one of michelangelo <laughs> um you seen that no, I you know that guy who plays two guitars at the same time and looks like Nigel Tufnell. I mean, it's not even a very good photo. Can they come up with something a little bit better? Well, maybe anyway. it was a slow day, a fast day, and they just didn't have time to check the stock. <laughs> yeah. PJ, how about you? I guess um, do you get up to New York much? Have you ever been been over? I've never been to Manny's. Uh, been to New York, but I've never been to Manny's. I've only read about the legend. Uh, but I can certainly identify with and commiserate with the uh, the closing of of these seminal music shops. This has happened uh, <clears throat> all over all over Minneapolis. I mean, we, pretty much everything is gone, with the exception of the the gigantic superstore uh, retailer um, that uh, you know that is left. And there's three or four of You've those. You got a guitar here. center there, have you? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, three or four of them. Within right. spinning right. distance of my of my apartment, but uh, yeah, I mean, all the places that I hung out with uh, or hung out at as a as a kid, and you know, would buy synthesizers from when when I finally had the money and and uh, bug sales guys for their knowledge and and sit on a Saturday afternoon and jam, you know, all afternoon. They're all they're all gone, and I remember the last the last one to close the last kind of boutique music shop to close here was uh torps music um who had been they had been around for almost 50 years and they they were they had a satellite shop in the warehouse district in downtown minneapolis and i knew one of the sales guys in there and i'd stop in every week because i i did a uh i used to do sessions at a studio next door and i'd stop in to see him and I had the sneaking suspicion that I may have been the only person to have walked through the door other than himself that entire week. There would be, oh, no. you know, oh, no, that's terrible. wild jungle, wild jungle calls and vines <laughs> hanging from the ceiling. And he looked like oh, he had a seven day. <laughs> but it, I mean, it's taking, taking this a little bit further, you can sort of see that there's still a need to actually go to a place and physically touch something. Because you can almost imagine there being a centralized music store again, which is just effectively a showroom where people could kind of you know, like a, a boutique market. So you can have all these kind of various people who sort of get together, maybe specializing in different things and kind of rent, you know, it, it's, it's weird. It's kind of re has to be reconfigured somehow. So Mark, have you ever been there? Um, yes, I have. Yeah. I, I can't say I've ever, I probably have bought stuff from them. Well, maybe, um, maybe that's the but problem. It never made any sense to me being a rather sort of penny pinching kind of chap. I would either go and buy stuff online, but when I was in, I did live in, in, well, I lived in New Jersey for a while. It didn't make any sense to me to go to New York and buy stuff and pay more sales tax because the sales tax in New York's 8%, I think, and it's 6 in New Jersey. Is that right, Roach? Thereabouts, yeah. Uh, okay. Might yeah, be higher than that. So, so, if you, so, so I used to go in sort of Manny's and Sam Ash and try and play the prices off against each other, and they, you can't really do that thing that you can do in Tottenham Court Road as well in New York. It doesn't work <laughs> as well. And then I'd kind of work out that if I went out to Sam Ash in Hackensack in New Jersey, I could drive a much harder bargain there than I could get from either Manny's or Sam Ash in New York. So I was buying new music technology stuff, I guess, and not really looking for old guitars. Mm, well, they did have but a big department. The they, they had quite a lot of departments. But yeah, it was an outstanding vibe. <sighs> so Mark, it's your fault. You're the reason that they're going out of business. One well, of I, <laughs> I'm I joking, don't know of about that because I was thinking. Did you see that thing about that chap from that company, Dolphin Music, who died a 
few yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, Rob Williams, that's terrible, yeah. terrible, terrible business. Um, I don't know how true it is, but what I read was that his uh, business had something like an eighteen million pound turnover. It's the largest growing business in the, in the UK for a long time. Um, for you know, for, for the far, the fastest growing business was that right, Dave Robinson? You probably know that more. Yeah, I don't actually. No. It's I mean, very like, tragic. I read that he died, and I'm yeah, very, awful, very tragic. But. But, but I had I had this perception that nobody was really buying music gear anymore and none of these shops were really shifting anything. And yet, and there's sort of proof in the pudding that people have turned their money over to buying from internet-based. Well, they're just, con- they're just uh, con- consolidating into larger, larger and larger companies so that they've got the scale of economy on their side. That's the way it works. But it's anyway, it's a very sad, it's very sad that it's going because it's, it's a sort of, you know, it's an institution and it's always sad to see one of those things go, especially one that's had a kind of history for such a long time and, you know, has kind of touched so many people. And I don't know, even though it makes sense in a kind of business way, it just seems very sad. Right. I think we the should... The closing date? Uh, end of May, I believe, this year, 2009. End of May. Yeah. com. Once again, thank you very much to Roland UK for sponsoring the podcast, and it's about time for a Roland ad, uh, as is their want. And we'd just like you to take a look at the Roland Phantom G8, which is an amazing workstation, 88-key weighted keyboards, 152-track sequencer, studio-grade effects, sampling, audio playback, and all sorts of amazing things for the live and studio musician. Uh, comes in 88-key, uh, 76, and 61 keys uh, also. Uh, go check it out at roland.co.uk slash phantomg. And once again, thanks to Roland UK for sponsoring the podcast. SonicState.com I think this is absolutely fantastic. I don't know if anybody's seen this, but I'll play a quick clip. That was a clip from I Am New, which is uh, by a jack called Cutty Man or Cootie Man. I'm not quite sure how you pronounce it. It's a single T. Um, and his project Through You, uh, which is through dash, well, F, through as in T-H-R-U dash U-Y-O-U dot com. Uh, what he's done is basically taken a whole bunch of disparate musical performances via YouTube, cut them up and turned them into these kind of new recordings. He's got eight tracks or seven or eight tracks. Uh, that was my favourite of the one, and um, the singer in that was um, uh, just uh, absolutely c- gorgeous, I thought. <laughs> but that's beside the point, really. But what a bloody genius. I saw this, and it was one of the most exciting and interesting and sort of creatively inspiring things I've seen for an awfully long time. Uh, I know, Dave, you, you saw this uh, separately as well, Dave Spears. I don't know what you made of it. Mm. Did, you, uh, did you get a chance to check it out more? Uh, blinding. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, I particularly like the... I think it was uh, John who sent me the the first one, which was the mother of all funk chords. Yeah, I just yeah, love yeah. the way the video is cut up and stuff like this. And then when I checked this, uh, this uh, I'm new out. I was like, right, I want it, I want it now. Go and buy it. But I know, but the alas, thing is, is it's all. It. I know, but the thing is, is this is what's so funny about it because it is all YouTube cut ups. You're never get there. Never will be a high quality master. Yeah, bizarre. It, it's just all that work. I, I, but I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I don't know, um, Dave Robinson. Um, very, very impressive. I'd love to know what process he's using as well to, because the, 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 the different, I mean, as you say, there's going to be the quality from the different, um, the different YouTube videos is going to be, it's going to be vast, I'd have thought. And uh, unless he can find decent source material all the time, which he, which he seems to have, um, you know, I'd like to know how much, um, 
treatment there is to the various tracks. And also, I mean, the, the process, uh, the, the composition process of putting it together. I, I can't imagine. Where do you I start? Mean, do you start with the piano? Do you start with the bass? Do you start with the drums? What? what yeah, how? well, I can start and you start or with you the drums. And then you suddenly find a vocal <laughs> and you go, oh, no, I need to change everything to fit that. I just can't. It's just mind-boggling, isn't it? The, the, the guy, is he a um, Danish, you know, the, the guy who cuts up his drum kit and then cuts up the piano? Uh, yeah, Lassie Gertsen. He's, uh, we've talked about him yeah, before. Yeah. yeah, It's a very similar kind of vibe, yeah. but... But, yeah, but, really, but this is kind of like so many levels above it. Mm. I mean, it really is quite, quite outstanding. And um, I'd love to see, you know, a technical piece on this guy to find out, you know, what process he's using and how he's putting it all together, because... Um, it's it's phenomenal, and, and you're you're absolutely right, Nick. I think it is one of the most uh, uh, original and quite inspiring. Yeah. Um, and what, things what's that, so great that, about that it is it, because it's got the visual aspect. Certainly better than, certainly better than Songsmith. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, t- I would tend to agree. <laughs> Let me tell you a bit about him. He's basically he's an Israeli kind of jazz music, jazz trained musician, and he uh, basically the way that this went was he disclosed this work to twenty friends. And it, that, which it spread, spread virally across the web, racking up more than one million views in less than a week. Uh, and it's it's uh, one thing that's, um, that's that's come out of it. The open source advocate Lawrence Lessig praised the project as a pioneer of a new, less regulated form of media, saying, "If you come to the net armed with the idea that the old system of copywriting is just is going to work just fine here, this more than anything is going to get you to recognise you need some new ideas." And uh, and that's another aspect of it too. I, I know uh, PJ. Haven't heard much from you. What did you make of this? Did you find it as inspiring as me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. Actually, a friend turned me onto this a couple of days ago, and I thought, wow. I just sat watching, you know, the, the videos that he's got up there over and over again, thinking, wow, that's, that's, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't everybody I know think of that? It's, 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 it's a wonderful process. And I, I was thinking about how he might have gone about doing it, and I, I think, it's it's very possible that he could have started everything in a program like Ableton Live 7, which allows you to cut up video and audio and and stretch it ah, to uh, okay. to reasonable lengths and compress to reasonable lengths, separate the the audio track from the video track, and then composite down to one video. And he may have done. I, I, it looks like he did some some of the some of the box outs and things like that probably in another post-production pro what a, yeah how, yes i think you might be right actually because i was trying to think how i mean i would use vegas for this sony vegas because that works really well as a multi-track linear editor so but but yeah you could be right mm. but he would have to prop most likely i mean he's got to be uh you know compressing and, and stretching the audio and, and pitching things to make them fit a little bit, you would assume, you know, I mean, doing, doing some, some editing like that. So I would imagine that, uh, you know, rather than just, cu- just cutting and that kind of thing. So I, I think live would probably be the best tool for that on the market currently, but I could be wrong cause he's, mm. he's the one doing it and he's doing a great job. So yeah, yeah, no, really, yeah, uh, really it, impressive. Really. He's probably uses a multiple multitude of tools. I would imagine. I know Rich, um, does this kind of, did, did you find this exciting? Well, it was cool, but I'm, I'm, maybe there's something I don't understand about what you guys are talking about, about the process. Like, didn't he just go to all these people, play them the track, and have them jam over it, record them, and then slot them in? I don't think so. Not Am I wrong can- about that? Do I not understand that? Or did he send it out to certain people, and then they, and they told him, send me back with video or whatever? In, in other words, I'm not a little confused about what about this process is revolutionary and mind you okay. i really liked the video and i enjoyed it and i get it sort of i think but I, I, this, there must be something i'm missing no i think actually in most cases he just found stuff a bunch of clips mm. and said find the clip with the boy with the trump the boy with the trumpet or whatever the trombone which is just is completely incongruous to, to the rest of it it's you know that's definitely some, something he's just found he hasn't found a boy to play that to play that part I think in a couple of cases. So perhaps. it's montaged. So yeah. it's montaged out of a bunch yeah. of unrelated performances. Then, yeah, I yeah. see. Yeah. Yes, it was With, cool. I mean, I enjoyed that's, it. That's the impression that he gives. Yeah. Okay. He, so that's the hook. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. But you just sort of think, you know, after all of it, you know, think you get you get a million views in the in a week. You got all this stuff. You've got essentially an album ready. You sort of think, wouldn't it be great to be able to sell that to somebody? You know, kind of go, hey, do you want to buy it? You know, five bucks. There's the because it must have taken an enormous amount of work. 
Yeah. Must have done. Hours and hours. Hours and hours of work. Mark? Um, I think it's brilliant, actually. And if it is a montage of just different stuff that he's found round and about the place and time stretched to fit it all together and get it all in the right musical key, then uh, that's kind of cool because that's one of the things I've been sort of complaining that it's too easy to do that these days, as in all the tools to, to do it such as logic does it all for you. I used to like doing that, basically, measuring things and working out how how many percent I needed to stretch them by to fit with something else and, you know, to get it in the right key and all that sort of stuff. So I like that. I liked the guy with the theremin. <laughs> yeah. I noticed a, a lack of yes. circuit-bent instruments, and I can see a market uh-huh. for loop libraries. Uh, yes. The next wave of YouTube acid loop, libraries. loop libraries are all video instead of um, audio. Interesting. So that, <laughs> oh, you know, Mark, you're brilliant. I, I, could, I could see a whole new, <laughs> a whole new genre of sort of loop-based music coming off this, but loop-based video things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you say loot? Loot-based or loot-based? Loot-based. Loot. <laughs> a loot. Oh, as in a, a the a instrument loot. loot. I thought you were talking about hey, money. Well, <laughs> You know what, if we're talking about looting libraries, I've got a book to recommend. Oh, go on then. And the book is called, a book, it's called This Is Your Brain on Music, and it's by a man called uh, Daniel, oh God, what's his name? Daniel Levitin. The book is called This Is Your Brain on Music, and it's sort of a psychologist and neuroscience and neurophysicist's look at music and how it works and why it works. It's really good. I have that book, and I second the recommendation. Okay, well, we'll check it out. We'll put the link in the show notes. Um, right, well, um, let's move on. Um, this next one is um, Spotify, uh, Spotify.com, hey. which um, I checked out today. Uh, Mark recommended this and uh, asked a few questions about it. And I actually uh, downloaded, created an account, and uh, I usually play a few tunes before the show just to kind of test the connection and kind of get everybody in the mood and chat with people for, you know, 10, 15 minutes before. And I was using Spotify today, which I probably shouldn't in terms of licensing, but I was just, because my iTunes library on this laptop is very minimal. So I just kind of was following my nose and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Essentially, if I describe it, it's, um, you go and log on, you download a little application, which is, is kind of like iTunes. It's like a, a type of iTunes where you can cross link and download playlists and what have you. And the, there's a free version, which is an ad every 20 minutes. And then there's a paid version for 99. You can get 99 bucks, a, 99 cents or pence a day or nine ninety nine a month. That's pounds. I think they're launching in the U S currently. Uh, it's still, it's still in beta. And it, it, the idea is essentially that you just license, you, you can listen to whatever you want, whenever you want, as long as you're online. Uh, and that's what you pay for. And I thought it was great. Who up, Mark? You you suggested this. What did you make of it? Um, I think it's really cool. I think it's definitely. Uh, I mean, it's better than Last FM's effort, isn't it? By a long way. Um, I'm not sure about the audio quality, though. And I was. I think one of the things I suggested in the show notes was that everybody have a listen to the audio quality and see what they think. But I've found out what it is now, and it's Og Vorbis at 160 kilobits per second. Yeah, it is. And I I think it sounds a little weird, and I haven't quite put my finger on why, but I almost think that they've uh, tried to sort of uh, let higher frequencies come through to trick you into thinking it's better quality than it really is, and then there's something gets missed around the 5K area and makes it sound glassy and weird. But uh, in terms of if you ignore that... Yep like I do with iTunes anyway, and just listen to my music, and I don't sit there analysing the audio quality of it. Um, if I just want to listen to a good tune, it's brilliant to be able to just go and find whatever I want to go and find and sort of, you know, I, th- I think I might actually throw a whole load of stuff out of my iTunes library because I don't really need it in there if I can do this. Yeah, well, that's what I thought, because I was just thinking, oh, well, I wonder if I can get this. And I did some sort of obscure searches, and they're, they're along the same lines. Uh, there's, there's a bit more variety. I, was, I, I found some weather report stuff and a few things that were harder to find on, on iTunes. Still haven't found any King Crimson on, uh, on it, though, and the same on iTunes. But, you know, it's, it's got a pretty impressive library. And the fact is that you, could, you can sort of cross-link. So if you search for something like Japan say, for instance, it'll throw up other suggestions or, um, you know, you 
various other kind of links so you can just move sideways around it's sort of a bit not not as um seamless as the itunes genius thing but i'm sure they can refine it certainly um uh, dave spears did you check it i did yeah after we spoke earlier and i was impressed actually i'd started looking for some fairly obscure stuff some lenny white stuff and uh found it it was like wow because i couldn't get any of this on itunes until very very recently actually but um no impressed well, as long as I can find a way of pumping it around onto my um, various, uh, what are they called, airport expresses and stuff like that, that's I think the thing, I'm going to use this quite a lot. That's the thing, because, you know, you can't, you know, you can't run it on. I've, I've got a, 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 a Soundbridge radio, a Rock U, and I don't think it'll work on that, for instance. You know, so there's going to be a few issues. But um, it's a Swedish company. They've got around 4 million tracks. Uh, they've licensed stuff from Universal, Sony BMG, EMI Music, Warner, Merlin, Orchard. They've just done, done Naxos. There's a whole bunch of, you know, they've got a lot of stuff there. And I wondered, you know, how come maybe this is working where others are? I haven't, because, you know, We 7 was the same thing. There's been other things. How come they've, uh, they, the they've, mani- they've managed to sort of make it stick so much, or at least, you know, get to, get to attention? Dave, have you come across this? Um, yeah, I, I found it just uh, last weekend, actually, and because it, it's one of those things that, like Twitter and Facebook, it, it seems, you, you know, it gets to that tipping point and then everybody's talking about it, yeah. and it, it seemed that literally within the last 10 days, everybody was starting to talk about Spotify, even though it's been around for a couple of months, and so I downloaded it. I love the interface. I, lo- I love the color, actually. I think the green is really nice, <laughs> but I was, um, I, I was just really, I was, I was really impressed on a number of levels. First of all, I don't find the... And I'm doing the, the, the cheapy, you know, the 20 minute, uh, the 20 minute ad, and I don't find that ob- obtrusive, uh, sorry, intrusive at all. Um, it's a bit loud. So I, can, I can quite easily. Um, it, it is, yeah. And also, you get you don't have a pause between the the tracks. It's it's just straight into it. But you know, that's a minor thing. I I would disagree with Mark about the audio quality. I, the first thing I listened to was the Elbow album, and I was really impressed. I was listening from my E, from my Asus E, into a kind of a, a little sort of JBL portable speakers, and I was really uh, impressed with the dynamics. Um, and I thought it sounded um, better than uh, better than MP3. Actually, well, MP3 oh, doesn't I, doesn't handle sort of lots of harmonic distortion and uh, doesn't like distortion yeah. much. And I think this seems to have a better handling of that. I mean, it's obviously the same but different, you know. But it seems to yeah. not do the same thing that uh, that MP3 does to that. Well, I think um, uh, that I've been reading, but the, the people like Pink Floyd and and uh, ACDC and various other big bands haven't signed up to it yet, and they're trying to get those on the on the catalogue, but. I I couldn't find some more of the. I mean, I was looking at Boards of Canada, for instance, and there's only about three tracks on there, and uh, and I was trying to uh, find some other sort of techno type bits and pieces, and um, and failed actually. But uh, but I did find a copy of Eight Ball by Underworld, which I don't have, so I'm listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that one was for you, Dave, definitely. Um, but uh, I, I think um, well, the one thing I want to, well, I think the thing to investigate are the playlists. And it's a big, but you know, sharing the playlist is going yeah. to be a big feature of it. I think I people think compiling playlists for certain moods and things, and, and then you sort of sharing what they've got. And I think forming a sort of a music community through playlists is going to be um, it's going to be a bit uh, a big part of it. Yeah, I think so. so I, hope you can I see. think I have a fr- what I was going to say. I have a friend who works in this industry, and uh, he works for shall I say a kind of rival type um, system. And uh, he isn't sure that there's enough advertising out there to prop it up. You know, if people don't subscribe and they go for the free, yeah. they don't they don't pay a subscription. They just go for the free thing. He he's wondering how long that will last with the amount of advertisers that that are on there. They need so, to get it on. Um, I agree with to, that. Yeah, they I, need to get it on as many I mean, devices th- as possible. Yeah, I think. I think that the only way that the music industry is going to survive is if they make music free for a number of years. You know, when we first started doing the internet, internet was free, wasn't it? In terms of like when you went to visit somebody's website, you didn't have to pay to join their website or whatever. And hmm. people started inventing ways to monetize the internet after, after it had been around for some time. I think mm. they need to throw away the idea that you can sell music to anyone now, and they need to give music away free. And this is kind of the start of that. If people see music as being free, they'll stop pirating it, because they won't have any need to. They'll be able to go and listen to anything they want to listen to 
now without having to pay for it, right? Yeah. Once yeah. you've got people back into the idea of listening to music and they've been doing it for a while and they've forgotten that they used to pirate it, so say two or three years, then you start to find ways to monetize it and bolt adverts back into it. So yeah. I think the closer to free they can make it, the better it, the the better and more likely it is to succeed. The other thing I've noticed about Spotify as well is that the application size on my Mac is about 5 megabytes and iTunes is about 140 megabytes. So theoretically, Spotify could work on my iPhone if they made an iPhone app and just connect, if I was on a wireless network, I should be able to connect to some kind of Spotify service in, in an application that size. So, you know, on many levels, I think it's it's a sort of a almost a recipe for success. Hmm. Almost. PJ and Rich, I don't know if you get this in the US. Um, it, perhaps you can tell me. Have either of you had a chance to try it out? It, it won't load here. Ah, okay. Yeah, it's not yet available here. Yep. Right. Interesting. I thought they were going to be rolling it out. I mean, what do you think of the, well, <laughs> what do you think about the idea having not seen it? Um, I mean, I, wasn't this tried before with various kind of the, the whole thing about radio, internet radio stations? Isn't it sort of the same principle that they've been kind of slamming, slamming those business models in the US heavily, haven't they? This might be why uh, why it's having trouble rolling out here is trying to negotiate those waters. I'm not I'm not certain, but I know um, uh, Pandora, which we've discussed before, yeah. they've been uh, you know fighting fighting battles over over the kind of uh, archaic legislation that's uh, that's hitting you know hitting internet radio really really hard with back payments of of ungodly sums of money you know due due in royalties. Uh, so I, I don't know, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know whether or not this, would, this would be covered under the same type of legislation. Maybe Rich has something to offer in that, in that regard. Rich. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. <laughs> well, no, I, I actually had no idea what this thing Spotify was about when I first looked at it and, and then I tried to load it and I realized it wouldn't load. So I'm kind of interested now that you guys have kind of perked up my interest. Mm, I don't know whether or not um, it will be a US thing. I mean, that's obviously, you know, that they're obviously working on it, but they've got maybe more powerful lobbyists um, to deal with over there than they have over here. Although, you know, that that's growing here too. But if all the record companies are signing up to it, then that's sort of half the battle lost. Like, uh, one, I what guess. is the difference between the free and the paid version of Spotify? What yeah. is what? What are the the different amenities that you get? Uh, you get no ads, uh, and also you get the ability to uh, publish playlists and that kind of thing. So, uh, and, and a bit more community aspect stuff. Okay. okay, this sounds similar to Rhapsody. Are you familiar with with that service? Real network that might, yeah, that might possibly be. Is is that simply a U.S.? I'm not sure whether that's just a U.S. offering or not. But uh, you can you can do similar similar uh, stunts with that. Uh, you know, go out listen to whatever you want for a certain price per month. I think it's fourteen ninety nine U.S. or something like that. Gets you unlimited access to their catalog. I'm not sure, you know, how extensive it is, but I've looked through it a little bit and found most things that I've looked for. Um, you can you can pay for uh, I think just a, a one day you know a one day access to it I believe sure. and or you can just you know I think it's ne- I think the thing about this stuff is it's nearly right because I was thinking great if I could get this to work you know if I don't have to buy a whole bunch of new devices in my house just to access this music and they get a good sort of simple browser interface kind of like the way that the Sandbridge works which means that anybody in the house can just kind of point a remote and sort of just browse through a few things and go, yeah, I want to play that, I want to play that, I want to do this, that. Then, yes, you've got a goer, but not everybody wants to listen to music while they're sat in front of their laptop at work. You know, there are other situations and other sort of, um, you know, scenarios where this isn't just going to fit the bill at all, and that's presumably kind of quite yeah. a big area of the market that they're going to miss out like on. Like your car. How are you going to listen to this in your car? Yeah, exactly. Well, you won't. I, I don't know. You can't. Well, you'd have to do it over 3G, I guess. I mean, you could probably just get 160K if you had a decent 3G, um, you know, you just need a player embedded in something. But anyway, yeah, just, uh, actually, um, Nick, you were just talking about um, sitting in front of your laptop. i just draw your attention to a little device called I2I. Have you seen that? The I2I stream. No. 
Um, I got sent a kind of a copy to, to review. <laughs> we don't do reviews in Proto News, but I thought I'll have a play with it anyway. And it's, it's two little um, units that, um, if it were, the, 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 it's two wireless units that, that work at 2.4 gigahertz. And um, you charge them up for about six hours, and then you plug one into your laptop, and then you, you carry the other one, and you plug your headphones into that. And it's got a range of about... Um, well, about sort of 30 feet or something like that. So you can walk around listening to your, you don't, you know, you can be listening to what's on your laptop, what's coming from your laptop, but it's broadcasting. A bit like the iTrip thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, I see. But better. Oh, sorry. I was say, this takes any signal and then broadcasts it to the other unit. And then you can have multiple units, you know, you, there's about 10 different frequency bands. So you can have various ones set up to, to broadcast on different bands. And, yeah. Well, it's the same. I mean, you know, the, back, back before I set up my media center, this was the problem that I'd solved because you don't need that. Then you need some other speakers and you can't browse the device from where you're listening. You know, so, yeah, there are there are. Uh, there are applications for it, but uh, maybe this will this will kind of bring up a whole new slew of um, solutions. Um, I certainly hope so. Anyway, we should probably crack on quickly because I'd like to just do this uh, finish with the talk on cr- creativity, um, which I thought was uh, really really interesting. And I, I've I've listened to it before, and Mark brought it up, and obviously found it too. So I'll just play this too um, before I say. Uh, well, I'll just say. Don't forget uh, Spotify. That Spotify dot com. I'm not sure when it's going to roll out in the US, but I hopefully sometime in the not-too-distant future. And his genius. To be fair, right, um, chemical engineers as a group, you know, haven't really earned a reputation over the centuries for being alcoholic manic depressives. Um, and we writers, you know, we kind of do have that reputation. And not, not just writers, but creative people across all genres, it seems, have this reputation for being enormously mentally unstable. Um, and, you know, all you have to do is look at the very grim death count in the 20th century alone of, of really magnificent creative minds who died young and often at their own hands, you know, um, and even the ones who didn't literally commit suicide seem to be really undone by their gifts, you know, um, and somehow we've completely internalized and accepted collectively this notion that creativity and suffering are somehow inherently linked. Um, are you guys all cool with that idea? Like, are you... <laughs> comfortable with that because um, you look at it even from an inch away and you know I'm not at all comfortable with that assumption I think it's odious and I also think it's dangerous and I don't want to see it perpetuated into the next century I think so I don't know if everybody got a chance to listen to that but it's a really great speech it's on ted.com which is basically a brilliant uh, resource where there are kind of all sorts of intellectual peoples giving lectures and um they're filmed and you know that was just one of them and it's her the the, she kind of basically is trying to break out of the uh, responsibility of creative the creative muse and it was a brilliant brilliant talk Uh, mark you you um brought this to my attention again um what was it what did it mean for you the whole idea of genius (laughs) and where it comes from was brilliant she just she described uh people from greek times and the meaning of genius was uh more based around the idea of having a genie so somebody who was a genius was in touch with their genie and the genie was this sort of force this little person that sort of jumped out the wall and kind of gave that person the information that that sort of was their creative force and that's what i liked about it i like the idea that it's not your fault when you can't think of a good idea. It's just the fact that your genie's having a bad day. <laughs> well, no, not even so much that. I think I'm more like the idea that it, in, in, instead of like the whole, you know, revering someone like David Bowie, say, I don't know why I've picked on him, but to sort of like look at him as a complete icon and go, oh, wow, you know, the guy's so amazing and everything and he's done all these amazing things, rather than do that to actually say, wow, David Bowie's been you know, in touch with his genius, and it, in, so, in some way it makes him less responsible for it, but in another mm. way it makes it less likely for him to go off on some ridiculous ego trip and think that he's a really important part of sort of the 20th century, which I suppose he was, but in in another sense it's not really him that was, it was his art that was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I liked the separation from the... You, you know, from the creativity, yeah. the idea that the creativity came from some larger sort of 
universal being or and that that person's genius was like you know the messenger from that larger universal being it's starting to sound like my podcast now isn't no it? i think I, it, it was it was very thought inspiring <laughs> dave robinson i know you haven't got that much longer to, to go because uh, you've got to go at five. Uh, not certainly not to listen to rubbish like that <laughs> did you not did you did it not work for you on the same level then dave well, no, I didn't. I mean, but, but I, I like the idea, you know, opening a cupboard and a little leprechaun comes out and, and tells you what to do. Certainly as it was St. Patrick's Day yesterday. But um, surely, I mean, genius is, uh, if you're talking about creativity, then you, you find inspiration at certain points and sometimes you don't. And um, I don't think David Bowie is a, is a genius all the time. He's written some, incre- to, to take him as an example, right? You know, he's written some very good songs, and he's written some pretty bad songs as well. And to, to keep the, the level of geniusness, if you like, up all the time, it's very difficult. And I think it's more like it, when you look at creatives, sometimes you are creative, and sometimes you're not creative. So you have a great first album, or you write a first great novel, and then maybe the, the difficult second album, difficult second novel, doesn't really work because you've used up all your great ideas. Mm. So, um, I, yeah, I think I it's, disagree. It's not about I don't think that's it. I think I think what happens is that the first album you you tap into the genius or the leprechaun in the wall. The leprechaun in the wall comes comes out and tells you what to do. You get really into it. And by the time you get round to the second album, everyone's patted you on the back so much that you forgot that your genius had nothing to do with you and that it was something external <laughs> to you. And you started to believe it was you and then promptly sort of hashed out a load of old cack, basically. Well, I, I, like, I, I, like, I like the, obviously, a clash, of, uh, a clash of ideas here, a sort of co- yeah. a clash of philosophy. There's, there's a couple of dwarfs and an elf or two outside the room, and I need to go and sort them out. So I'm going to say goodbye. Well, thank you, Dave Robinson, <laughs> ProSoundNewsEurope.com. Right. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank Cheers, Dave. Too. Bye. Cheers. My, uh, PJ, I suspect you might uh, have enjoyed this talk. I did. I enjoyed it very much. And I, I just want to say my next album is called The Hashed Out Load of Old Cack. That's what I'm... <laughs> just come out, straight, come out with it straight away. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, unless the leprechaun jumps at me anytime soon, that's what it will be called. Um, no, I, actually, I can I can relate to this subject a lot. I, I have this conversation, I think, very frequently lately, and 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 mostly because it, on on a very personal level, uh, I started out life, um, you know, very, very as I as I assume a lot of us did in this podcast, very very engaged in music, very very involved in it all the way up through uh, high school and college, had some very promising career avenues to, um, to attend to. And then due to a, a, a congenital disorder, um, have suffered some, uh, some setbacks, um, some de- debilitating illnesses that I am just currently fully recovering from. And so I, I sort of find myself, I sort of found myself a few years back waking up later in life with the energy to sort of reapproach music, um, you know, as a not that it not that it ever went away as a primary focus in my life, but as an av- you know, as a as a vocation, as a career, yeah, and uh, and and sort of wrestling with some of those ideas, like did did everything pass me by? Did all the opportunities that I had earlier in life have they passed me by? And is it impossible for me to? to attain my own personal you know success in 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 what i what i attempt to do what i what i've come to personally is that for me the the important thing aside from having to pay the daily bills and because i've chosen to make music or career is the process and that the fruit of that process is sometimes good, sometimes bad, sometimes it's rotten, sometimes it just belongs, you know, under the tree to sort of, you know, rot in the sun, just let it sit, don't, don't give it to anybody. But uh, sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not, but the thing that stays and the thing that I invest myself in is, is, the, is the process of creativity. And I, I do personally believe that, that it is a transcendent process, that wh- whether it actually comes from a supernatural source the the jury's out i i I lean that way um whether whether or not it comes from a supernatural source i'm I'm not entirely certain but it definitely comes from some sort of meta function in the brain you know i i often think of my brain as a large or our brains as a large synthesizer 
that uh, we don't ha- currently understand. We don't have the manual or the operating system for. So we have to sort of cultivate sounds and exp- creative experiences like you would a garden or like you would a, a good meal, you know, you, when you're preparing a good meal and, and you sort of steer in the right direction and provide the environment that allows for the creativity to flow. And some days it happens better than others and, and some days it doesn't. But I, I choose to believe personally, and it's the only way that I can move forward, that my best days are ahead of me. And I think that that was the gist of that talk was, you know, I, I felt sorry for, for the woman who was giving the talk thinking, well, you know, my, my greatest success may be behind me because she's had this mega selling novel. Well, it may be personally that she writes something, you know, 20 years down the road that doesn't sell millions of copies that she's more personally invested in, that she says, this is actually my best work, even if millions of people don't, don't see it or recognize it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see anyway. what you're saying, but very, very rich Hilton. Did you um, did you enjoy that um, that lecture? I enjoyed the first third of it that I got to watch, and I thought she was brilliant. And she's it, a very good talker, well, isn't she? She's great and entertaining and easy and and clear and creative. And um, it brought to mind a number of things that I think about as well. And one of them is that my observation has been throughout my life that the artistic people that I've either known or studied all had their most significant impact not at the end of their career but somewhere prior to the end of their career often at the beginning of their career which is why it became the beginning of their career because it was so revolutionary or so noticeable what they were doing and how it set itself apart from what had come before so then when that person sets out to do it again or to do the next thing but typically they set out to do it again especially if they're in the music business to, it, it you're no longer calling on an entire lifetime of experience that led up to that moment at which people began to notice that you were doing it, and now you're expanding on something that they've already come to understand. And it takes on a whole different perception in that context. Um, so that's part, and then she talked about it in terms of, well, how depressing it must be for the artist to realize that quite often his best work is behind him, or his or her best work. And... In my own case, I've had a number of musicians who, you know, once had for, you know, magnificent prestigious gigs who are now trying to figure out what to do with themselves. And my advice to them is always to go back to the reasons why you wanted to do it in the first place and to revisit the idea that the work is its own reward, that you don't take who you are from the people outside of you. You don't. The satisfaction, the real satisfaction that comes from doing it didn't come because everybody else told you how good it was. It came from the moment that you decided to do it, executed it, and realized that it was pretty cool. So, and everybody goes through this. And now David Bowie was raised as an example, and I might as well talk about the fact that I know David Bowie and spent months upon months sitting next to him, practically the two of us making a record. Sure. And... Sure, he has good days and bad days, and he knows that. And he knows certain records are better than others, and certain records are made more to appeal to other people, and certain records are made more to express what he's doing in his life right then. And that is really his true artistry, is that he is completely in his own moment as he presents to you whatever it is he's doing, whether it interests you or not, because he's at a point in his artistic life now where he doesn't have to do anything for anybody else or live up to anybody else's expectations. He's really, only, the only reason for him to do it is to satisfy himself. And ultimately, on some level, that has to be the inspiration for what you do, and especially as you're a band looking at doing your second album, following up on a first, or coming back together after some years apart and trying to capitalize or build on the success you had however many years ago. You have to figure out what you belong doing and do that, and not so much you didn't get there because you lived up to everybody's expectations that you anticipated in advance you li- you got there because you did what you were supposed to be doing at the time and people caught on to that and that's right. my own that's my own yeah, personal yeah. vision I see. of success and that's kind of the thoughts that uh come to my mind as i listen to her talk about creativity and genius and things of that nature because i'm not sure that thing- genius is something that gets it's it's a tag that gets put on something after the fact you know, you're not a genius when you're doing it. You're a guy doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's after everybody goes, ooh, and ah, you go, you know what? Maybe that really was kind of unusual and interesting and unpredicted. And, you know, anyway, that's my take. I on like, it. Uh, the reason I liked her description of genius is because she basically went back to the Greek thing about the genie mm-hmm. and basically said that somebody 
had a genius rather than they were a genius, yeah. which I really like the distinction between somebody owning genius rather than being genius. Because I, I said I am a genius, but what I mean by that is that I understand the distinction between owning genius and, in other words, in other words, I know my genius comes from somewhere else other than me, and I would never believe that it was entirely down to me, if that makes any sense at all. It's almost right, like yeah. it's a I channel from somewhere else. It's, mm. it's well, hard to the accept. The, the, the channeling aspect of what she was talking was kind of, but she was sort of maintaining the fact that it was a conduit, really, wasn't it? So that, exactly. you know, the, 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 her point was, you know, why are creative people sort of generally put under so much pressure and miserable and kind of feel so bad about not coming up with the goods, when in fact, if you look at it a slightly different way, then it's much healthier and we don't, maybe less people will kind of end their lives or turn to sort of hard, strong, um, noxious substances to kind of dull the pain. Dave Spears, you've been very quiet on this. Are you uh, channeling at the moment? I am, yes. I've got my little Damon over in the corner. Um, (laughs) I thought it was fascinating, fascinating talk. Uh, I did love the Tom Waits story where he's driving down the road and he gets his inspiration and he's got no pen to write it down and stuff like that. Oh, and he says, go away, I'm I'm busy, come back another time. I'm driving, for God's sake. Yeah, come back again. Um, Which I did think was brilliant. I mean, I do know a fair few people who I regard as sort of borderline genius because they have this way of plucking ideas or completely abstract concepts out of the ether and forming them into something that maybe I could understand or appreciate. And that always is very inspiring. But I thought the key thing that she said to me, and this kind of ties in with what Rich said, is that do what you do continue to live your life as you see fit and create in accordance with your desire as it were and people will or won't come around to that way of thinking but the most important thing and this i think was critical and certainly is to me because i don't regard myself as a genius in any capacity is show up every day if you're a dancer dance it's that older age you know if you're a writer write if you're a musician play just do it and somebody once said to me loads loads of years ago the only difference between you and somebody who's done it is they did it and it may sound trite but for me it worked Sometimes you just have to put yourself in the moment and go, okay, I put the blinkers on now. I mean, particularly in software, you put the blinkers on and you just plow through it and plow through it and plow through it. And hopefully when it comes out the other side, people go, actually, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I had a professor in college. I think that's really well said. said. Yeah. He said, show up every day and do it, you know, rely yeah. on the craft if you have to and wait and wait for inspiration to hit you. And, and, and that's exactly, you know, that was my point is that you have to just invest yourself into the process and you'll, you'll have fruit that will come and you, and you'll, you know, you'll be able to, uh, to assess for yourself whether or not it's good. And maybe others will show up and say, yeah, that's great. Brilliant. Yep. Well, I think that's a, a, a sort of reasonably spiritual and uplifting note to end the podcast on. Um, I'd like to say thank you very much to everybody who's hung in on the chat room. Unfortunately, Stickham has been having a bad streaming day, so I think we're going to try and look at some other alternatives. So if anyone's got any ideas, email them in to um, sonictalk at sonicstate.com. Also, I'd like to say thank you to all my guests. Obviously, uh, Dave Robinson from Prosign News Europe dot com has already left the building uh and uh we'll say goodbye to pj tracy from minneapolis thank you very much for joining us this week uh thanks for having me it was a blast pj tracy music.com is where you can find out more about pj and what he's up to and uh rich hilton from connecticut who i guess may be uh going into the work work at LaCrib today i am uh-huh. and looking forward to it yeah well you can exercise your genius see if you can <laughs> see if you could squeeze some more out of him today yeah. He and I are going to take a walk down by the water. Me and my genius have a little talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rich, myspace.com forward slash Hiltonius for what Rich is up to. Uh, thank you again. Uh, Mark Tinley, uh, thank you for joining us. I know um, um, you're, you're busy and your your child has been very cooperative this week. So uh, thanks to him and to you and to your work. Wild party things happening. I can hear them in the background. Help me blow up these balloons, mummy, and party Whizzes, whizzing, and all sorts. Sounds of like you've stuff, got a so. great afternoon yeah. ahead of you, Mark. I'm envious. Uh, as long as I've got little sausage rolls, you'll I'll be, be happy. happy. 
<laughs> that's well, another the, that's uh, another great content that's another great contender for the podcast title i think uh thank you very much mark <laughs> um aspergineering.com for um seeing what mark's up to and of course dave spears g4software.com uh with your new tidy room i hope it stays that way for a certain amount of time at least mm, yes uh, can i put out a small appeal please yes please do uh if anyone can help me with a 50 to 60 hertz cycle converter, it would be most appreciated. Uh, preferably doesn't involve building a new power station. Ah, uh, in the I, UK. Yes, I just thought what I'd love that. What do you that, that for, then? A move? Uh, no, some of the motors, uh, the motors on this Chamberlain run at 60 hertz. All right. Okay. All so right, well, uh, good luck with that. You know where to get in touch, just either through us or uh, via g4software.com. Thank you very okay, much. That was Sonic Talk number 122. Thank you very much. It's a wrap. I think the world thinks that I have no sense because I'm working as a tent, making a few cents, working a job when my co workers wrote the rat. And they the good ones, the others addicted to crap. Why am I here? Every day I gotta ask myself, and what time is said the case, my mental health. They say I'm nuts because I truly do believe in the dream. Hey, yo, I'm sorry, Burger King, I'm not a part of the scene. I hardly sleep, man. I stay awake late and I read. So it's something more than the fight that I had to achieve. Maybe the sense that I have here was a fight more than common. I'm not a rapper, I'm a speaker with a knack for rhyming. With a storytelling gift to live the fantasy world. Has a sorry wardrobe and is rejected by girls. Hard to have cash, give me sort of slivery game. I'm in the wrong matter of fact, they say I'm insane. Now is it going to really think there's something better than this? I could walk around flossing empty bottles of Chris. I only write with the most just paying a bill or get a deal right stuff that I really do feel. I would be a fool to listen to the stuff that they said. Get a whack wife and job and be better off dead. I mean, ever since the cat friend cut off his dread, it's like I'm wiping off the idiot that's wrote on my head. And everybody talks to me like I'm going on three, but they don't squat nasty. What do you want to be? And I go bananas, cause I'm without a job, having credit and bill collectors, I am perfectly dodged. But lately, the world got a bit too shady. The little innocent kids up to sweet old ladies. And I'm sitting asking y'all, probably, I'm just crazy. Cause my world gave me a unanimous maybe, maybe, maybe.